thank you for tuning into the media ministry of Weston Road Pentecostal Church. We pray that you will be blessed and inspired as you hear the preaching of God's Word. Also, be sure to check us out on the web at www.westonroadchurch.com for all the latest news and info. And I'm excited to share God's word with you today. Last week, if you were here, you heard a message entitled, The Day Before the Overflow. And today, with God's help, I'm going to preach a message entitled, The Night Before the Overflow. The Night Before the Overflow. And we've been uh, praying and believing that God is bringing a new season in, in our church. He's leading us into a new season And overflow is one of those words that God has put in my heart. And I'm going to just draw your attention to the the back two areas are actually called overflow rooms. And what we're praying for is that God would bring an overflow of souls into our church that it would fill to the overflow. I mean, once that happens, we'll be in a new season and we'll have to figure out what do we do next Um, But regardless of that, this word overflow not only applies to our church in the season where I believe God is leading us, and it's my responsibility to lead you also as the church onto what God is speaking for us, but also in your life personally. I believe God wants you as an individual, as a, a couple if you're married, or if you're engaged, or maybe you're, you're courting someone or dating someone, that you say there's great potential there for the future. I believe that in your family and even in your home, God wants to bring His overflow. And, and I get excited. By the way, I, I just got to say it, my wife is pregnant, so we're expecting baby number three. And our bedrooms are going to overflow. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so I just want to, that's like the big pink elephant in the room. So it's true if you saw it on Facebook last night. So I just had to say that overflow for your house as well. And so today we're going to actually be looking at Luke chapter 5. So turn there, but I just want to give you some context as, um, actually, you know what? Let's turn and just read it. Luke chapter 5, you can stand to your feet as you do. And as you turn to Luke 5, I also want to encourage you, and I'm happy, I know this is preaching to the choir, because the weather's not eh, the best, but I want to encourage you that don't don't miss a Sunday, because what I believe God is doing is, you know like when you watch a show on TV, and you miss last week, and you have to like get caught up, right? And if you're like me, you're not home, or you don't watch a lot of TV, and if you want to catch up, you, you have like one week on your iPad, to watch it and then it locks if you don't subscribe to cable that's us so church is is a lot like that and if you miss a sunday and I, there are valid reasons and there will be occasions where you miss but i'm encouraging you god is building momentum with every week that we meet and if you miss out you miss out yes we have a podcast and with god's help we're going to actually fix that this week it's been i think september october was the last time we uploaded sermons but we have like a, a backlog waiting and uh, they've all been edited it's just been slow on my part to process all of that so 
God willing, this week, uh, we'll have a lot of time. I'll have time as I travel as well to fill all that up. So you can get caught up if you serve in a, in a you know, classroom downstairs or with the senior kids, junior kids. You can get caught up as well. Uh, don't get me wrong, but don't miss a Sunday. Thank you for coming today because I believe God has a word. Can you say amen? So Luke chapter 5, if you're there, shout amen. So verse 1 says, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the Word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats in the other uh, soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, "O Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you." For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with them. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray every heart be open. Let the seed go into fertile soil that it might take root and germinate and produce a wonderful harvest of, of increase in any area that you so desire today, Holy Spirit. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The night before the overflow. The night before the overflow. You see in the story, and we're going to walk through it together this morning, but if we just, with our understanding of what we just read, if we just look at it, it's like we see Jesus' teaching, all this happens, they're fixing nets, Jesus says this, there's a lot of fish, and now Jesus calls these guys and says, come, I'll teach you to fish for men. That's like Cole's notes of what we just read. But when we look at our title of today's message, The Night Before the Overflow, what I think we begin to see, similar to last week with the widow of Zarephath, 1 Kings 17, similar to that is frustration. Frustration. Why? They fished all night but caught no fish. Right? The night before the overflow is not a good place necessarily. It can be a hard place. And maybe you find yourself there, and maybe it's not today, but one day you might find yourself there, the the night or the day even before the overflow comes. And as a church, I said last week, I feel like we are in this season of right before overflow is going to come. And it doesn't mean like it's a hard place at all. I just announced like great things that God is doing in our midst. But what I sense is overflows around the corner. 
there has to be this sense of desperation to see breakthrough happen. And so today we're going to look at this story and just go piece by piece because the more I stared at this passage all week, I, I saw about 10 sermons I could preach. So I just said, Lord, okay, help me to just focus on one thing today. And so with God's help, I want to speak to you about the word that was spoken. We're going to get to this, but I just want to give you a heads up as to where we're going. The word, the net, and the catch. It summarizes the story, but let's look at it together. So in verse 1, we see that crowds are eager to hear Jesus speak. They want to hear um, what he has to say. And it says that they pressed in. They pressed in. They want to hear what he's saying. Um, the Sea of Galilee, maybe in your translation, it says the Lake of uh, Gennesaret. And that's okay. But it's oftentimes referred to as the Sea of Galilee. And in verse 2, it says that he noticed two empty boats. He noticed two empty boats. Why am I noticing this verse? Well, why did Jesus notice two empty boats? We don't know. Like we could just gloss over that part and said, well, oh, obvious because he wanted to speak. And so he needed at least one of the two boats. But when we get to the end of the story and we already read it, so it's not a spoiler alert at all. I believe the reason why Jesus took notice of two empty boats is in his foreknowledge, he knew that they were going to turn into two full boats. Amen. But the two empty boats also signified something, I believe, to Jesus. As he looked, he knew where he was. He knew who was around. And it says that, but the boats were also empty in that the owners weren't around. They were busy cleaning their equipment. They were busy cleaning their equipment. And that's what good fishermen do. Why? They prepared for the next run, which was usually the next night. You see, the time to fish wasn't during the day. I mean, I know we're awake during the day, most of us, unless you work a night shift. But... Fishermen knew that the best catch would be in the dark when the, when the water was calm, you know, maybe even just around sunrise, and then they would bring it back in for the morning, clean up, and then, I don't know, get some breakfast and, and relax a bit. But you see, the fact that the boats were empty and the guys were gone, they were cleaning their equipment, Jesus already knew, though, that they were at a, a point of frustration, He knew that they didn't have a good night. So it was much more than just saying, I want these two boats and I need one of the two to preach and speak to the crowd. Look, they're eager, they're pressing in. But Jesus, I believe, as he he showed up, yes, he's going to minister to the crowd, but he's also going to literally transform the lives of these fishermen. And so that's verse 2. And I just want to say this. I put my own note last night. This just the light came on. Even when you may not see the results, continue to do the work. Even when you don't see the results, continue to do the work. What, like what were they cleaning? Like, <coughs> excuse me, seaweed probably out of the net. But there was no fish. It's not like probably had they, I'm, I'm just I'm not a fisherman. I'm not an expert. But how much cleaning did they really have? If there was no fish, they could have just said, guys, whatever, just leave it there. We're depressed anyways. Tomorrow, just before, we'll take an extra hour and then we'll get it ready and go, go and do it. But notice, even when you may not see the results, continue to do the work. 
And we are told, we are not told now what Jesus preached about at all. So we have no idea. But then it continues. And after that encounter, uh, verse 4, it starts, and Jesus finished speaking. He said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. So Jesus' instructions to Simon, were they normal or not normal? N- not normal. It'd be like, Jesus... This this man that I heard you preaching, like, are you sure? Like, understand the relationship here. We are the experts. You're not. You're you're actually a carpenter by trade. We are the fishing experts, and we caught nothing. So what you're asking us now? It's daylight. Who knows how long Jesus preached for? We don't necessarily know. But now he's saying, go a little deeper, and cast down your nets. And I just find that it must have been so interesting to be Simon at this point. Because you know that the man... So he responds in verse 5 with master, right? That word master is very simple to understand. But it actually denotes anyone in authority. And it could have simply been that here he is, Simon... He sees this crowd gathering, and Jesus now takes his boat. He's speaking. He recognizes that Jesus is a man of authority because all of these people are listening to his words. And so, it's been said that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. Apparently, Albert Einstein was the guy who said it. We're not sure. But nevertheless, I've heard this quote time and time again. And if you Google this phrase, you're going to see all these like graphics of Einstein's face. It's all black. And then the words. I should have just downloaded it and put it there for you to see. But that's some of your homework if, you, if you're curious about that. So they attribute this quote to Einstein. Whether it's true or not, I, I believe what it says has some value. Do we agree? Right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. It's like I put tomatoes, you know, to make tomato sauce, but I'm hoping somehow that it's going to turn out into a dessert. No, it's going to be tomato sauce. Nutella won't magically fill the air as as I make this. Right? It's just, it doesn't make sense. That's insanity. I want you to know, though, Jesus' instruction to Simon must have come across as, are you crazy? Are you you crazy? Like, Master, I know you're the man in in authority here because these people are all here for you. They're not here to smell our fishy fishing nets. But they're here for you. So, Master, verse 5, Simon replied, We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. And I believe, you know, if I could imagine his tone... He's probably saying, like, I know you're just the carpenter, but we fished all night. He could have had that tone. However, he says, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. Now, I admire Simon for this one reason in this story. Why? He had no logical reason why he should have done it, other than the fact that he said, maybe this guy master in authority with all these people, maybe I'm missing out on something. Maybe it's me. I don't know what his reasoning was, but Peter or Simon at this point decided to do this. 
he decides to do it. Now, I just want to, as we talk about the word, point number one, the word, Jesus gave him the word, the instruction. And what, what was it? Go a little deeper and throw down your nets. Now, hear me out. It makes no sense to Simon as, a, as an expert fisherman. It would basically be the equivalent of me coming to someone who's like a, an accountant and telling, giving them instruction about how to do their job. Giving them the next step. Go and do this. And they'd look at me, but you're the pastor. Like, what do you know about accounting? And I'd be, personally, I'd be like, I have no idea. But we're not talking about me. We're talking about Jesus. Can somebody say amen? And so Jesus gave the word, go deeper and cast on your nets. In the natural, it's illogical and it's foolish. It's foolish at best and it's offensive at worst because they are experts. And yet, nevertheless, Jesus tells them and go deeper. I want to ask you today... In, in your area of expertise, whatever area of life, if Jesus were to tell you to do something, how deep would you go and how willing would you be to drop down the net to what he said do? How willing would you be? Go a little deeper. Go a little deeper. Go a little deeper. And I believe as a church, God is calling us, go a little deeper. Go, go deeper than you've ever been before. But, but Lord, and you have all your excuses why. Simon's was, we fished all night, we caught nothing. Spiritually speaking, you may have been praying and are praying for a miracle, but you've seen nothing yet. Are you still willing to go deeper? Are you still willing to trust His hand and His word? Because when He gives the word, that makes the difference. You see, though the definition we said of insanity is what? Doing the same thing over and over again, but expecting different results. You see, when Jesus gives the word, the very thing that you were doing time and time again, once he gives the word, this time it'll be different. Do you see that? It's very important. You, you grab that. It's a truth. You say, how, like praying, does it really work? I believe that you're one word away from your answer. I really believe that. But just don't give up. Go deeper. Don't give up. Go deeper. And so that's the word. Jesus gave the word. And it makes no sense in the natural. But I thank God for His Holy Spirit in our lives at work. Because that's how we process life. It's not through my eyes only. But now it's through the eyes of the Father. Lord, how? Show me. What's your purpose? Show me. I want to know your heart on this issue. I want to know your heart in this night before overflow. Because overflow is not even being considered at this point. It's we have nothing. Nothing's worked. So the word, it came out. And so what we can learn from Simon on this is, as an expert fisherman, is you might not agree, but you can certainly obey. You might not agree with the word, and it might not make any sense but you can obey right he didn't say what would happen he just said go deeper and cast the net leave leave the results up to god but make sure that you're willing to obey what he's asking you to do so you might not agree but you can obey and i love peter's willingness to act on jesus's word 
because it shows a realization that His Word was not to be ignored on any subject. Any subject. Peter might not agree, like we said, but he could obey. So you see, God might give someone insight for you, a word of wisdom that will unlock the answer to what you've been struggling with. And, and I'm saying it crosses the spiritual boundary into the practical. You're a business owner and you're having difficulty or maybe you're trying to you know, get something off the ground as a startup. And I've, I've been studying more and more about entrepreneurs because they intrigue me. How they can take nothing and build a company out of it. But listen, if, if you might find yourself in, in that boat one day or you're a business owner, you run something and you, it feels like you've hit a brick wall, maybe there's no profit even, I want you to know that God can use somebody who has no expertise in your field to speak the very word that will unlock the key to God's overflow in the marketplace. It's a good word. It's a good word. And so just be listening. Don't just say, well, you have no expertise in this field. If God uses me, would you listen to me? You're like, but you're just the pastor. You, you just know this book. True. But if God chooses to speak a word, why not through me? Why not through you? And so say, Lord, this is one of the gifts, right? A word of wisdom. If God uses you, use it. And as, as a recipient of that word, if that's you on the other end, obviously weigh it, but say, Lord, this doesn't make sense, but you'll know. And I truly believe when a word of heaven from heaven comes, the thing you've been waiting for and praying for, you will know. And I, I don't care who it comes from. I've received words from different people in my life. And how do I know? And I call them words. Why? Because they ministered to my point of need in that moment or in that season of life. And I say, thank you, Lord. I, I don't care who the messenger is because they're probably the only willing one to bring it. And I say, thank you, God. So the word, the word, Peter, maybe or not, he didn't maybe agree with it, but he definitely and certainly could obey it. Number two is the net. The net. For in verse four, remember, Jesus said, go where it's deeper and let down your nets. And so I want to ask you this morning, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? You see, the net just represents their tool for their job. But what is in your hand? What skill set do you have? What ability do you have? Some of you might be like Photoshop, graphic design. Some of you, those who know me a little more, know that like you asked me to put up a picture frame. Maybe it'll be straight. If it has two screws, definitely not. But... Uh, I've just not wired that way. I try. I really try at home. And, and sometimes I get it right. Even if I have a level and I've done the measuring twice, drill once type of thing. I don't know. But, um, but the point is, what is in your hand? Because you're not a fisherman, maybe. Probably not. Unless it's ice fishing. <laughs> it's a joke. You could laugh. It's cold here, right? Ice fishing. Wah, wah. But the net represents the everyday tools that are in your bag, the everyday things that you rely on, and maybe you're really good at them. Maybe you're really good at them. You're a photographer. You take great photos. You're a singer. You have a great voice. Uh, you're a printer. 
you have a great eye for ink and color and paper and you know your stuff. What, what is in your hand? What is your net, your modern day net? You see, because it's interesting in the New King James Version only, and I'm not making a bigger deal out of this. It's just a minor detail. In the New King James Version, if you read that later on, you'll see that it actually says, Jesus says, go deeper and cast down your nets. But then it says, when Simon did this, he let down the net, singular. And it's only in the New King James Version. So I'm not making a big deal out of that. But maybe it just could speak to, maybe I'll obey what he's asking, but I don't expect much. Right? That's all I want to say about the New King James Version. If you notice that one minute detail, that it, it said when Simon responded, he cast his net, singular. But every other translation says nets. So regardless of that, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Because I believe God wants to use that familiar thing to bring about the overflow in your life. You see, some of us, and I've said this a few weeks ago, you think it's the lottery. If I had more money, I can do X, Y, Z. I, I will donate it to the church, a, part, a portion, to cover the rental cot. Like, that's great. If the Holy Spirit is leading you to play the lottery, dot, dot, dot. I'll leave, it, I'll leave that one there. But I believe that when you just take what you have, what God has given you already, that's why I say every resource that we need for our church and for His kingdom is already here. If God wants to bring more, let it overflow. That's fine. But take what's in your hand, skill set, the net that Simon had, and allow God to speak the word, and then you do what He says with whatever it is. And I know that uh, oftentimes it'll be it won't look different than maybe what you already know how to do. But here's the slight difference. We've been talking about it. When he, when he tells you now to do it, you're going to see the catch. So point number three is the catch. We have the word, the net. Number three, the catch. Peter had experienced the unimaginable grace of God. And that drove him to realize his own sinfulness. What? Wait a minute. How, how does that happen? Jesus didn't even preach a message to Simon. All he said is, go take your boat and, and go and do this. But as a result, what happened? His boat was overflowing. In fact, he had to call for help. He's like, guys, we need the other boat. Let's go. Let's go. More nets. Let's go. And it says, remember the two empty boats that, that Jesus noticed in the beginning? When we get to this part of the story... And the scripture, we realize that those boats were on the verge of sinking and sinking fast. They had to hurry up and get there. And it just, I get so excited again because remember the night before the overflow, what did it look like? We fished all night, but we caught no fish. The voice of frustration, the voice of what, what's the deal? What's going on here? They, they are obedient, they do this, and they, can even, they cannot even contain the overflow. They cannot contain it. What would you do if the very thing that you're used to in life, and the, your net, proverbial net, began to overflow? What would your response be? What would your reaction be? You don't need a sermon. You will recognize, wow, the Lord is good. 
the Lord is good. And that's what happens when God's grace is on display for Simon now. He, he, he understood for the first time in his life how undeserving he was of God's blessing in his life. But listen, let's look at Scripture to see what happens. He actually says in verse 8, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me alone. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. It's amazing how when God's grace comes, people have a fresh reality check. It's like whatever they were veiled from now is made known. Like, oh, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm not worthy of this. It didn't take a message, but it took God's grace on display. When you go to work, don't preach. Don't preach while you're being paid to work. You work. And it's by your actions, the grace of God will be manifested. In how, let, your season be, let your speech be seasoned with grace, the Bible says. As you do that, grace is extended from God through you to them now. And what's going to happen? They're going to be overwhelmed by grace. Not your grace, God's grace. And in this story, we see his response as he falls to his knees and he says, I'm not worthy to be around you. And I was like, well, that's an interesting response because I thought this was about you know, the overflow and the fish and all of that stuff. But check out what Jesus says. Well, verse 9 says they were awestruck by the number of fish they had caught. So there's a direct connection to how Simon is feeling. This, this I'm not worthy, I'm a sinner. To the, the, the fish and the size of the overflow in the natural, like in his job. This was profit for him. Financial profit. A, two boats full of fish was actually profit, money for them. And then Jesus finally says to him, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Did you notice, don't be afraid, was also the word Elijah gave the widow in last week's text as the initial response? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When overflow comes, I, I, even for our church, and we're praying God fill these seats to overflow, I feel like we're going to be a little bit like these fishermen in the boat, in the first boat, saying, uh-oh, guys, we need the second boat. We need more help. Come, come. We need help. Uh, are we, like, how do we contain this overflow, this blessing, this um, overflow of souls? And I really feel that that's the season. If I could paint it for you in, in words, that's the kind of overflow of souls that I'm expecting. And I believe God is preparing us for that we'll be trying to play catch up and say, we need more help, guys. Let's go. All hands on deck. That's the urgency I sense in my spirit. So don't get discouraged if you look around and see seats empty today. No, the weather's not good. But I want you to know I'm looking through eyes of faith. And I'm crazy enough to throw the net and go a little deeper and say, no, it's going to happen. It's going to happen because there's faith. And the word has come to my heart at least. Now I'm just waiting for it to manifest. The day before the overflow last week message, this message today, the night before overflow. And we have to get ready, church. We have to get ourselves ready. And I love this part about the text. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. We're almost done this morning. I believe truly that the size of the catch that they had in fish 
when Jesus said, come and I'll teach you to be fishers of men, I believe Jesus was drawing a straight up parallel. He's saying, see those two boats full of fish? Come now and I'm going to teach you to fish for men to the overflow like that. And that's why my heart is greatly encouraged today because the Bible says the harvest is ready, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send more laborers into the fields to work. And so, church, I don't know if you sense the spirit, God's heartbeat on this. The Spirit's heartbeat is beating for the lost in these last days. We have a limited opportunity. And we see Jesus goes to... I mean, let's be honest. They were failures in their mission to catch fish the night before, right? We all see that. They, they weren't successful. They failed. And on their greatest failure, they received the call from God. So you don't have to be anyone special to be used by God to bring people to the kingdom. You do not need to be special. You don't have to have money. You don't have to be successful. Because on the only night that we are made aware of that they were not, they were the least successful, they caught nothing. That's when God shows up. The night before overflow, their failures. The next morning, here comes Jesus saying, come guys, here's profit beyond your imagination for your business as fishermen. And he says, now come and I'll teach you to be fishers of men. You know what their response to that was? Verse 11, as soon as they landed, landed where? Were they flying in a plane? No, they were in those two boats that were about to sink. As soon as they landed back to the shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. They, well, hold, so hold on. Let's talk business for a second. They had nothing. Now they have too much prof, profit. Think money in our day. Like the wildly successful now. And they arrived back at shore. They didn't have time to even cash it in and enjoy and live on the rest. It said they left everything there and went to follow Jesus. You see that? When the word comes, you see, God will often take what's familiar to you. He used their net and he said, now go. Not just one boat, but two boats were filled. At first glance, Jesus sees the two empty boats, but he had a purpose. He said, I'm going to fill these boats like they could not even believe. And then I'm going to take them from just fishing for fish to now taking them to fish for men and for souls. And it's amazing. I love this story because overflow has come. You see, the two boats, to me, were just the vehicle by which God wanted to transform them. That's how I see it. I mean, for the, God can just snap his finger and boom, your bank account is overflowing with money. Is that really the purpose? Is that really the struggle of life? Yes, we work to put food on the table. But in reality, I believe Jesus uses our circumstances. He wants to bless your business. He does. He'll, he'll give you keys to unlock success in your business, in the marketplace. But really what God is always after is your heart. God is always after your heart. And so he said, here you go. The fish, no problem. That's the easy part. Now you guys come and we're going to work together at winning souls and building the kingdom. Would you stand to your feet this morning?
See, no profit margin in a business can ever compete with the one who owns it all. God can do anything. And I don't know what need you have today. This could be the night before overflow. And you're frustrated and you're thinking, Ugh, I'm, I'm a failure. Why would even God choose me? Forget people. Why would God choose me? I want you to know God doesn't care about your failure. God sees the potential. And that to him is what he's attracted to. He says, if you would only allow me the room to do what I want to do, you will be blown away. And, and as a church, I need to speak this over us. There are no limits. I mean, this building has a limit by fire code, but there are no limits to how God wants to use Weston. There are none. And so if there, if there are limits that we've placed on God for our church, I break them off now in the name of Jesus. Why? Because I believe God is calling Weston, another word is influence. Influence. How do we influence our community and our great city? There are millions of people. That's a big task. But I want you to know, if, like I'm not happy just to preach here and it stay here. So my thing is, Lord, how do we get this outside? How do we take it outside? I'll tell you the first step, each one that, that is here today. Why? You are recipients of God's grace and love. It overflows in your life. And then as you leave this place, what you have received and downloaded, now you bring to other people. I'll teach you to be fishers of men. God, the money, all that stuff, yes. Don't chase after that. Chase after God and everything will be supplied for you. You don't have to worry about it. I'm living proof. My wife can attest. I mean, I've shared that story. I don't know if it was to just the young adults. But we said yes to Him and to the work of His kingdom. And we have everything that we need. We might need an extra bedroom, but we have everything that we need. And I'm grateful to God. So when you say yes to Him, you believe him for the overflow in your personal life and for our church. And leave the details up to God. Seek first, Matthew six thirty three. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. One more thing. I know you're standing and then we're going to pray. Why am I believing for souls and for a million dollars in this year? Maybe I'm just crazy. Or maybe I heard God speak a word. But I believe that as we see... See, we're not chasing a million dollars and we're not chasing after people. Like we can do a big campaign and get this place packed out and have a guest speaker and do giveaways. and all. We can do all that stuff and say, yeah, we did it. But I, I'm telling you from the front, we're chasing after God. As we do that, God's going to work out all these details. And that's the heartbeat of Weston. That's the direction and the season that God is leading us to. As we pray tonight, to back up what I just said, we've been announcing Encounter Night. 6 p.m. and, and we'll finish around 8 if it needs to go that long. And we're just coming to, to say that, God, we're chasing after your presence. Someone said to me, this is Super Bowl Sunday, Pastor. You know that? And it wasn't anyone from my church. It was someone in my family. So actually, they didn't say Pastor. They just said, you know this is Super Bowl Sunday, right? And I go, yeah? Like, 
maybe I'm just crazy. I don't know. But I'd rather chase after God foolishly and then watch Him do some great and mighty things and let other people wonder, how did that happen to them? We're not more special. Absolutely not. We're hungry for a move of God. And I pray today your heart is stirred for the overflow. It's not about the money. It's about what God wants to do for His kingdom. Can you say amen? And I believe money is a big part of advancing God's kingdom. It's, it's a tool we need for this day and age in which we live in. So maybe your overflow will be money. And God is going to use you to finance a last move of God in, in these last days to see souls saved. So let's pray and we will go on our way. Father in heaven, I thank you today. Father, I thank you. Even though some of us might be feeling like we are in that night of before the overflow. God, it's that point where we're uncertain about what's happening and we're frustrated even with how life has gotten and and maybe where we find ourselves. But Father, I thank you that all it takes is one word. And God, everything that we need, you, you will use. Everything that's already in our hand. And God, I thank you that the catch is not dependent upon our ability, but our obedience. And God, I pray that as we obey what you are speaking to us individually, to our families, to, to husbands and wives, to households, and to this house, Weston Road. God, I thank you that we are leaving the details up to you. God, we are chasing hard after you. And God, you will take care of those details. And so, Lord, I thank you that though this might be the season before the overflow comes, I know that you're preparing a big catch. And Lord, I thank you and I speak it over our church. I speak your overflow over every life that is here, God. I pray that we would experience the abundant life that Jesus has promised us. And God, we will tell the good news to everyone. And so, Lord, just as we've been recipients now of your grace, Lord, it's undeserved. I pray that we would share that with other people, that they might, Lord, see the goodness of God in their own life. And God, we give you thanks and praise. Lord, even as we go our separate ways, accompany us now, I pray. And Lord, as we meet here tonight, Lord, at 6 p.m., simply to say, God, we are chasing after you. We are hungry for your presence. Lord, I just pray that you would show up in a mighty way. And Lord, as we build momentum one week after another, God, I pray that we would see what it is you are up to before our very eyes. I ask you this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.